The Holy Gospel according to John in the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Judeans who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And they answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. According to John, Jesus has just given one of his most famous talks, confronting the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. They'd brought forth a woman caught cheating on her partner, or maybe caught with someone else who was cheating, and they asked Jesus if they should, as directed in the law of Moses, stone her to death. And Jesus said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And not a stone was thrown. Now it's a powerful image. Yet the subtext is not an easy one. In a world where striving to be good enough was a norm, where failing meant punishment or the spectacle of punishing others, Jesus points out that everyone bears sin. Even the most pious, the holiest, the best behaved are sinful. And so the believers, those who had been baptized and were following Jesus, started wondering, what do they do with those who want to cast stones? And how do they understand their own choices? It's one thing to embrace the ecstasy of conversion. It's a whole other thing to have their lives be transformed and to live into their faith. And so Jesus speaks to them. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or as Paul says in Romans 3, justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, a gift received and activated by faith. That is, on this Reformation Sunday, we are reminded we are freely given God's grace. Freely receiving all that is needed for salvation, but what's more is that we are freely sent out to direct our energies not to earning God's favor, but instead to loving our neighbor. Not just doing what's right, but withholding the stones even when it's legal to throw them. So what is freedom? Often we hear freedom as the ability 
to do whatever the beep we want. But that, according to Scripture, is not freedom. It's simply another form of bondage, bound to the vain pursuit of actualization through self-assertion and self-gratification. And that understanding of freedom results not only in bondage, but in death. Why? Because we were not created to live as individual automatons divorced from the needs of our neighbor in the pursuit of self-satisfaction. No, our true nature, call, and purpose is realized in and through and only in and through relationships with others. It's in this sense that Genesis' words, it's not good that the one created from earth be alone, is not simply about Adam as an individual, but is about all of us. The whole of the human species, we were made for each other. And this is where Jesus' linking of two discrete commandments becomes so important. You may recall that in response to the question about the greatest commandment, Jesus responds by citing two commandments. But is his intention really to offer two options or to name both the greatest and second greatest commandment? I think it's more that the second commandment modifies and interprets and even defines the first. Because on the face of it, loving God and loving neighbor does not, in fact, have to look or be similar. And plenty of religious traditions focus on the former independence of the latter. But Jesus not only says the second is like the first, but goes on to link them by saying, on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. They cannot be separated. And then the Apostle Paul says something similar later in his letter to the Romans in the 13th chapter. All the commandments, that is everything God wants us to do, is summed up in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As does the author of the later letters often attributed to John, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And in his account of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew records Jesus linking this phrase, the law and prophets to the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They're bound together. And in our reading from Romans today, God's righteousness and our righteousness are also linked and looking at the Greek, language helps us out. Dikaiosin means justice and righteousness. Dikaiou means to justify. And dikaios means just or righteous. And it's that word, dikaios, is used eight times in the verses in the third chapter of Romans. And this Greek word gives English translators a fit. Because they have to choose between righteousness right relationship with God, and justice, right relationship with one's neighbor. But the Greek language expresses the two as a single reality, that there is no true relationship with God if there is no true relationship with one's neighbor. All of which is to say that while 
Luther is often characterized as the great champion of freedom. And while we hear Jesus' words and promise to set us free by the truth, and while we cherish as citizens of this country the notion of freedom, our modern understanding of freedom as acts of self-assertion is deceptively and even dangerously far from the biblical and, for that matter, originally American understanding of freedom. Commenting on Thomas Jefferson's enshrinement of our freedom to pursue happiness in the Declaration of Independence, historian John Meacham writes, Scholars have long noted that for Aristotle and the Greeks, as well as for Jefferson and the Americans, happiness was not about yellow smiley faces, self-esteem, or even feelings. According to historians of happiness and of Aristotle, it was an ultimate good, worth seeking for its own sake. And given the Aristotelian insight that man is a social creature whose life finds meaning in his relation to other human beings, Jeffersonian eudaimonia, the Greek word for happiness, evokes virtue, good conduct, and generous citizenship. We are free. Free to pursue that kind of happiness. And the believers listening to Jesus had a difficult time with this. When told about freedom, they responded, We're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. As if to say, We're already free. What are you talking about? Which is ironic because their history was riddled with exchanges of power and oppression. Yet freedom wasn't just being freed from oppression. It wasn't just an exchange where they let go of bondage and were able to bind others. Freedom didn't mean freedom to oppress or to throw stones. They'd forgotten what their ancestors knew and what Lutherans know too, what Jesus tried to communicate over and over again. Freedom is only ours if it belongs to others. It's ours because we are freed in Christ, not because of anything we do ourselves. Freedom does evoke virtue, good conduct, and generous citizenship. Yet on this Reformation Sunday, we remember that we are freed through a truth that calls us to love one another. A truth that reminds us that there is no relationship with God without relationships with our neighbors. That happiness exists in community. And if the Reformation holds anything for us, it's that we continue to be freed. That we are continually freed for one another. And that grace is God's promise and free gift to all of us. And what's more, that grace, that free gift given, gives us a place on which to stand. It's a place from which we can act and speak with confidence and act and speak with hope. And especially in a world as difficult and challenging and broken as ours today, we need a place to stand and to speak with hope. Amen.